0: What's going on, everybody? up to the family. I Shayta, all my people back there. Welcome to another episode of My Unapologetic Perspective here on the Mighty Motivation Network. This is a podcast where we give our point of view of controversial topics from our experience, Black history, and our knowledge as African-Americans. In the words of Maya Angelou, do your best until you know better, and when you know better, do better. So we're supporting the search for information to discover what you don't know so you can discover your best you. I am your gracious host, uh, Martre Baker Stevens. Mm-hmm. And to the right of me is Shaquan Battle here. Yep. And to the right of him is Jerome Battle. What's happening? Hey, uh, I want to appreciate everybody who's been tuning in. Uh, we have took a few weeks off, had to give my co-host a vacation. I can't work him to death, so I <laughs> got to give him a, a, an opportunity to to unwind. Um, But thanks to everybody who's been continuing to go back and listen to episodes. I'm seeing the YouTube numbers come up a little bit, even with our absence in the past uh, two to three weeks. Um, But we really appreciate uh, all the support that we've been getting, all the support that um, people have been giving us, all the feedback that people have been giving us. um, Absolutely. It's much uh, appreciated. Uh, This week we'll be dropping the unapologetic uh, clothing line uh, you will see pictures on Facebook. Please, if you want to, cop that merchandise. There's not even a profit. I'm not even getting a profit from this merchandise. I'm putting the exact price of how much it is to make and ship on there, and I'm not making a dollar from it. It's basically about black history so people can see it on a T-shirt because these are some things or some people that you may not learn about in your history books. So if we put it on merchandise, it allows people to look at it and say, hey, what is that? Well, who was that? Where does that come from? Um, and it's, I've been it's wearing great it. material too. Yeah, I've been wearing it, and people just been <laughs> staring at it. And I hope they got in their car after they left the store and Google what it was, because um, that's the way we could be able to give information out of there. Um, we're gonna jump right in today. Uh, we're gonna be talking about um the appropriation of black culture. Uh, it's a it's a huge topic, and I'm gonna lead with a quote by James Baldwin. Uh, people are trapped in history and history is trapped in them. And that's the way we get our culture. So when people ask what is black culture, you know, it is the creations, the customs, the arts, the traditions and achievements of, of black people. Um, it is to be proud to represent who you are and who your ancestors were. And it, and ultimately, it's, it's a lifestyle that we live. Absolutely. So um, I'll pose that question to you. What is black culture to you? What does that mean to you? you guys?
1: A way of living. Um something that that was embedded in us. This wasn't something that we learned. We didn't watch M T V or B E T to learn this. It's it's in our DNA. That's what black culture
0: is. I I agree. it's unique characteristics about a group of people um that has been often immutated Uh, tried to be duplicated (laughs) by many other cultures but cannot Uh, which tells you how unique those characteristics are Mm -hmm. and also it distinctively separates you from any other culture Mm -hmm. so when we talk about black culture we're talking about one the oldest culture of the civilization of mankind (laughs) Uh, and I think that's important too because a lot of people don't know that or refuse to believe it but it is mm-hmm. um the oldest culture of civilization absolutely so you know so when we talk about um values principles morals um economics even religions mm-hmm. um but then you also have the language right um the arts um the environmental things um when we talk about agriculture People don't realize the first agricultural system yes. came from that culture as mm-hmm. well um so to 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 put it plainly it not only as you said not only tells you the history of your heritage but it also uniquely defines who you are and ultimately what you do and how you do it mm-hmm. um and hopefully helps define you as who you're going to be in the future mm-hmm.
1: And the other thing I would add is, um, the constant change in black culture, uh, the constant of repeat of a cycle, but it's different when it comes back. Mm -hmm.
0: There's there's always an extra spin to it, you know, even to come back. We're going to get to that in a little bit. But when you look at black culture, it is, it's constantly, um, as you said, being emulated. But as for, as black parents, I know. We try to make our you always talk about it, making your kids feel proud mm-hmm. of that that heritage, being That's proud right. of, of that culture and living in America is not always the ideal way to live, because in professionalism and um, American society, a lot of our culture isn't accepted. Absolutely. On, on a professional level, even right. um, Either you talk about the way we talk. You talk about the way that we dress you talk about the way that we uh the way that we live the way that we express our art it's not right. always the it's always it's the popular thing but it's not professionally accepted that's right a month long um and we, we're gonna get to it in a little bit but um when you think about black culture um one of the founding principles in black culture is some people call a religion or some people just call it a belief in, in God. That's right. No, you, know, mm-hmm. you know, matter, no matter where you go on the African continent, no matter where you, you look in the African American community, God is always the essential, um, the essential piece or the essential root of that of that black of that black community. Right. And you know, the major on the majority of scale of African Americans believe that there is a higher power um, higher than us. And the most people who maybe don't believe is because of the manipulation of the religions that that made them question um, the ideologies or the doctrines that's been put in place. But most right. for the most part, most people believe in the higher power. Mm-hmm. The discrepancy right. is what we call it. Mm-hmm. You know, some people call it Jesus. Some people call it Allah. Right. Some people call right. it uh, Ra. Some people call it Odula Some people call it the Legba. Um, whatever the case may be. We, we realize that there's something higher than ourselves. Mm-hmm. I remember absolutely. you told us that. That's right. told you, I don't care what you believe in, just believe in that there's something higher absolutely. Than, than yourself. Absolutely. Um,
1: and, what, and something that makes you better. Absolutely. absolutely.
0: And ultimately, that's what, that's what religion is supposed to do, mm-hmm. is something has to hold you accountable for doing the right thing, right? right? That has to be an either or, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So either you do this or that. And the only way you can do that is you have to have a doctrine of mm-hmm. saying, what's going to happen if you don't do this? Otherwise, why would you be a good person? Right, what's right. the benefit right. of being a good person? Right. Uh, there has to be some consequences for those that are not genuinely good people. Right. And again, most people follow the pillars. They follow the commandments. Or you follow the laws of my eye. Whatever the case may be. Right. You follow some type of principle set in place within that, that, that structure, which comes out of Africa, which comes in everyday living, which comes in... Um, into African-American rooted. And we brought those same concepts, um, even with Christianity placed into um, black people from slavery, they still never lost their ancestral roots That's to right. the original uh, the original spirituality structure of the lifestyle that they lived to. If you don't believe me, go into a Southern Baptist church. It's not gonna look like a white Southern Baptist church Absolutely. if you go into a black Southern Baptist church. Um, a uh, Pentecostal church It's not going to look, you know, um, James Baldwin said one of the most segregated places is Sunday at high noon because the white and the black churches are so different, mm-hmm. not just in its fundamental beliefs, but how they express those fundamental Absolutely. beliefs. Um, the second one is, is family structure. Um, in Africa, most tribes or cultures are raised by the village. The, the term, it takes a village to mm-hmm. raise a child comes right out of their African thought. That's right. Because you know, you have the mom, the dads, the aunts, the uncles, the grandparents, and even the cousins living all in proximity or even living together in the same household. That's right. Um,
1: I never looked at it that
0: way. Right. So if you look at the European family concept, they mostly deal with the immediate family. And if you look at your workplace, in, in your workplace, if you look at the um, the protocols of bereavement, it's probably gonna say that you can get a certain amount of bereavement if your immediate family mm-hmm. passes away, which is your mom, your dad, your kids, your grandparents. But when you deal with the black family, mm-hmm. aunts and uncles and cousins are just as important as that immediate family. Absolutely. We consider that immediate family. Absolutely. You know what says so it hurts the black community in the workplace because if our aunt and uncle died, I don't get days off. I may not even be able to attend the funeral, but that's just as important person as my mom is. Absolutely. Absolutely. That aunt is just as important. That uncle is just as important as my father is. You know what I'm saying? Because a lot just, of
1: times, maybe that aunt or uncle was your mom and dad.
0: Right. Or uh, essentially, when your mom and dad wasn't around, goes back to African culture. That's right. Those steal your kids, mm-hmm. too, in, in some kind of way. Um, Fifth cousin. You know, I remember when our cousin died, it's like, yo. I understand y'all think this is my cousin and is' so far gone, but even like my cousin is like my brother mm-hmm. that's right so it is it is it, different, so that family structure is is a lot different um within the black uh, culture um of course, the elder is the most respected, usually the grandparents the aunt the great aunts the mm-hmm. great uncles um family reunions come from slavery um right after slavery ends, there were so many family members sold that they reconvene after slavery and this tradition was passed on that even, especially after the Great Migration, for the people who move north, even if you move north, make your way back down south for this particular That's occasion, right. as we still see today. Um, any thoughts on the family structure? Yeah, I, I think that the, the most in, one of the most important parts about culture and tradition, if you want to look at it from that perspective, is not just the culture and tradition themselves, but also the 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 incumbents of someone passing it along. Yes. And I, I think that's because otherwise, which we're going to get into a little bit later on, you become part of that council, counseling that, that, that culture, right. That, that you don't want to be a part of, because if you don't teach the past, if you don't teach the history, if you don't teach the tradition, if you don't teach the culture, it will get lost. Yes. And ultimately that has been, put upon us by America for many, many years Mm -hmm. and trying to counsel our culture. If you think about slavery, you think about where we talked about this on many podcasts before, they want black Americans to be put in a certain place in history. Mm -hmm. And they want that to be the narrative throughout. Mm -hmm. We were slaves. We were subordinates. We weren't equal um we had little value Mm -hmm. um those are those are the the components that put us in a box in history yeah that was a part of counseling our culture Mm -hmm. so i think it's important that we continue to talk about history like Mm -hmm. we're doing this podcast but as well as the african culture black culture um so that it continues otherwise you lose those things right and and Ultimately, they tried to make black people afraid of their own culture. That's so right. When you look at uh, religion, it says you need to practice this religion because your religion is demonic. That's so, right. So, like you know, it it your the way that you think is is not a way that we're supposed to think don't practice any of that African mumbo-jumbo. That's right. You need to learn to speak English, English, right? So we can understand you and be able to understand what it is that you're trying to do or whatever it is that you're trying to say. Because it's better for you. Right, better for you, but <laughs> we know it was for a you. form of control. Exactly, so and that's what you, they would you tell want, you, it's better right. for you. You want, right. to, you, want to, you want to stay in some type of control, but that was another way uh, of culture is, of course, our language. You know, in Africa alone, there are over 1,500 languages. You know, you could travel... 10 10 minutes to the next village and they speak a totally different language than the, than the than another village and you know on the slave trade when we arrived not speaking the same language as each other a lot of times again if you go to root if you watch roots on the, when they on the say it says who speaks the fluani who speaks the mandingo That's right. who speaks this you know teach them your words because a lot of them never spoke the same language before so africans began to speak some sort of spanish because of you know, spare Spanish territory, French, French because of French territory, it's right. English because of English territory. Uh, but they mixed in their own language. So it became be called Creole. So you hear French Creole, you hear Spanish Creole. Um, but they said uh, there's a quote I want to read. It says blacks were the most linguistically polyglot and pro and proficient ethnic group in the Americas because we learned so many different languages because we were pulled in so many different places. That's right. So when you look at black people now, you know, of course, you got English, but you know you got some people who speak Spanish. You got some people who speak um, French. Uh, you know we're we're all over the place. And black people in our culture is spread across the world. and right. We speak so many different languages. Um, that's why the Olympics was so great to watch. You know, was like, even if you look at Giannis Antetokounmpo, yeah. you would think he speaks great English. Then when you hear him talking, say, like, "Wait a minute, he don't that's yeah. right, well, mm-hmm. you know." Uh, And also with language, you know, uh, looking at the uh, group called like the Ashanti, the Ashanti had a special handshake. So you would shake people's hand with your left hand because you carried your spear in your left hand. So to shake somebody's hand, you had to put your spear down to say, I trust you to shake your hand and I embrace you. Um, And of course, African-Americans, we got our different handshakes. You know, you see someone you really care about, you shake their hand, you bring them in, give them a hug with it. You know, if it's somebody, you know, you just got love for, you just shake hands. You know, if it's somebody you really don't rock with like hey, just give them a little fist bump. You know, it's right. funny because, um, you know, there's a lot of things in, in doing research on because I know you're big into uh, African history, not just American history. Yes. Yep. But, you know, I, I have never really been into a lot of African history only because I was still struggling trying to learn American <laughs> history. But um, the, the things that I found interesting about some of the things that I came across in researching African cultures is that. What you just talked about, about the handshake. Yeah. Well, a majority of African tribes, um, and this goes in direct correlation with some religions, one that I happen to practice, is that they shook hands using only their right hand. Mm-hmm. It was disrespectful to use your left hand because you use your left hand, lack of better terms, to clean when, yeah. you, when you use the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And you bend that off with your left hand. And your brother go, what are you do there? What mm-hmm. are you doing? You know, so... <laughs> It's funny that certain tribes would opt to use the left as a show of respect because that's where they carry their arrow. Mm-hmm. And then most of the tribes say, oh, don't give me that hand. Right. You know. So that tells you, because a lot of people believe that if you, you originate from Africa, you are originated from the same tribe, right. which that's could right. not be further from the truth. Right. There are. We, we're not going to even talk about how many different tribes because right. we found out just doing our uh, heritage research that the The tribes that we came from were parts of larger tribes. There's over a hundred different tribes. Mm-hmm. There's no way to even pinpoint which one you possibly derive from. Right. So, but it, and there's other things that we do in America that that are very similar, like showing respect to elders. Yeah, we talk right. about that a lot, especially mm-hmm. in the black community. Right. Uh, but the greeting, hello, handshake, mm-hmm. how we do it, we always do it. It's funny because when you when you in, and you encounter another black person. The head movement is up. What's up? Yeah, right. what's up? You see a white person that goes down. How you right. doing? <laughs> it's, 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 you just watch. You just watch how those yeah. things develop. Sometimes and you go, wow. How, why is that? And it doesn't matter where you go. Right. You go to California, same thing. Right. Say, brother, what's up? Say, white guy, how you? How you right. doing? Right. <laughs> it's funny because at work, you know, if if somebody calls and I I know off the back if they're you know they're speaking professional, I'm like, okay. Um, I'm speaking professional. That's right. Then it's a guy that calls from Franklin County every day. I know he black. Right. I know he's black. <laughs> so true. I'm like, all right, yeah, I got you. All right, peace. Right? <laughs> My co-workers like I was like, he's a brother. He already know what, what type right. of child we are. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's and that it's type funny of because you we understand each other. We right. go back to language. We speak a language that we can understand, and sometimes other people may not understand it. Another great one is, I I know you guys probably watch San Francisco sometimes, but there's a white cop that would say things, and then Lamont and Fred would look at the black cop for him to translate. What did he just say? uh, There's a language barrier sometimes. It is difficult for us to understand, but more importantly, for uh, them to understand us. Mm -hmm. And that plays more in part in some of the things we're seeing what's happening with police shootings yeah. is that police officers are giving commands to black people who may not fully understand exactly what you're asking them to do. Right. So a uh, language barrier can play a part in some of the problems that we're having even in America today. Absolutely. And one, of course, one of the things that comes from the black language here in Africa in, in, in America is um, Ebonics, you know, so <laughs> instead of saying, you know, he has a shiny gold chain on, you know, we'll say, "Oh, oh we'll you oh, we'll oh, got some, you uh, got some ice around." You got his some neck, ice, but you, <laughs> you know, this
1: morning I just found out what ebonics meant. Yeah. Right? they took it, they took the ebon part from ebony and then the last part from tone. I, I didn't know that. And, so, and
0: you know, when I was when I, when I first derived, a lot of people, my mom used to say, "You guys know who my mom was." Right, she she right. did not like slang, Yeah. Right. She did not like ebonics. And, and you guys know when text messaging first came right. about, <laughs> yeah, you guys you would text me things that weren't actually words using the number for the for the word two, I would delete it. I wouldn't even read it. You know, and my mom was like that too. The thing is, is it's okay to be selective. And yeah, I, I right. think that's important. Back in the day, they would call that selling out. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not selling out, it's being selective. Like you talked about, you have to know your audience, right? So you can use Ebonics with your fellas. You know, what's happening? You know, ain't ain't nothing. You know yeah. what you're going to do. I'm well, going down there, <laughs> whatever. When you talk to your parents, uh-uh. Right. right. I remember when sagging pants first came came <laughs> about. You think we wouldn't see Miss Georgia with our pants like that? A <laughs> uh, uh, 1739 Longwood? You better pull them up. Again, it goes back to respect. That. Absolutely. Respect Take your oh, hat absolutely. off when you come in the house. Being selective, man. It's okay to be selective. Right. If you want to talk that, talk that but Know when to talk it and when not to. You don't mm-hmm. go to a job interview and somebody go shake your hand and you give yeah. them a fist bump, <laughs> right. What's that, exactly, bro? Yeah. You know, yo, <laughs> yo, yo, wait, let me get that pin. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, you, you're you not getting the job, okay? right? Exactly, <laughs> you know, so it, it, it ain't even just what we say is how we say it. So instead of saying, you know, you know, John is tripping, we say, oh, John, tripping, <laughs> 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 you know, so we, we totally exclude the ears, you know what I'm saying, absolutely. Um, but like we talked about on the previous episode that, you know, Harlem's, Harlem Renaissance writers brought this to, to mainstream um, by putting this in a lot of their writings. Um, we also use expression to mm. describe something. You know what I'm saying? Right. You know, so if I say, you know, if I look at your shirt and say, you know, I like that. that that's simple. I like that. Right. That's dope. But if I really like that, I'm saying, oh, I like that. Yeah, I really man. like that. If I really like yeah. it, yeah. I'll get my bottle. Right. I like that, part. <laughs> I like that. You know what I'm saying? Because we... Oh, I like yeah. that. You know, we drag that, but it's the same concept, but we use our expression differently. Or you say, oh, that's bad. Then when we really like, oh, that's bad, yeah. man. That's really bad. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So that that's the way we use our expressions a lot through our through our language. Again, uh, not to go too much into this because we we've been through this a little bit, but you know, in it's also in music and in dance, you know, uh, back going back to Yoruba, you know, they're they're heavy in poetry uh proverbs, praise songs, and musical character of the language, um, which we hear poetry in our in our everyday music. Um, from Africa to the plantations, music and dance has always been a, a form of an expression that we brought, whether it's in despair, religious, or celebration, we're gonna Absolutely. use music and dance. So for the that's people so who say, you know, why y'all always dancing and singing, <laughs> that's, that's a part we of do. black culture. Right. That's, that's black we culture. That's the way that we that's the way that we rock. Um, and, you know, as we start to see, you know, especially in the 50s with the, the growing of rock and roll is when we start to see a lot of um, white culture begin to take our music and our dance and, and, and repackaging it and, and selling it back to the audience.
1: But you see uh, back in back in the days, you know, when somebody got a job or, you know, because when they was less fortunate or they got, you know, a, a amount of money that they've never seen before, the first thing they would do is somebody would say, Cut the music on and let's dance. Yeah, that's that's how we celebrate.
0: It's a celebration. Um, Mm -hmm. Another one, y'all know which I'm big on is is the hair. Mm -hmm. You know, hair played a significant role in the culture of uh, African civilizations. It symbolized one's family background, social status, spirituality, tribe, and even marital status. Mm -hmm. Um, Hair is a prominent social activity in Africa. So if you're doing somebody's hair, you only let somebody do your hair if you trust them because you're going to have a conversation while they're doing hair, hair, right. which we still see in, in, right, in, right. in, in the right. African-American <laughs> culture. You know, barbershop is the most socializing place for the, for the black man, and the beauty salon is the most socializing place for the black woman. Um, and, and hair more- has been brought to the forefront in the last few weeks. As Absolutely. They're trying to pass laws to not cancel culture mm-hmm. regarding black people's hair in the workplace. Right. Um, because as you know, in certain certain uh workplaces uh they don't want people to have braids or afros. Right. me well, I'm, obviously, I'm that's why i wear mine short which is obviously a a d- direct discrimination against it blacks is. because whites can't generally braid their hair the way that blacks mm-hmm. do right and obviously they can't wear afros so it's directly discriminatory against against blacks and there's been laws submitted to try to change that um because be. obviously we say this before um, on many podcasts before we didn't play a part in the rulemaking. No, we did not see. So when we talk about professionalism and what's accepted and what's not accepted, we
1: didn't
0: have, we didn't have a place at that table. Right? Let's just be real. Professionalism is white culture. A- European absolutely. Culture. absolutely. It, it, professionalism <laughs> is black people converting to white culture. That's so right. you can be white. That's considered professionalism. That's right. They have, uh, whites have one thing that they have to be concerned with when it comes to workplace and appearance and that's tattoos. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have that problem with hair. Um, even there's white people, that can have long hair mm-hmm. because uh, men can have long hair because that plays into the same fortitude as women right. having long hair. But there's nowhere about braids or Afros that's going to impact their their lives. Was in, it in the place Chicago of that
1: just passed the bill? um to make mm-hmm. it illegal to uh for hair discrimination absolutely yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely in, in and, schools
0: and only a few um we talked about this on a previous episode only a f- i think it's like three or four states have approved that um out of all 50 states which is ridiculous absolutely um, but even not just with the hair facial hair this is something we deal with at our job at one time we couldn't we couldn't have facial hair so a lot of black people had to go out and get profiles because as y'all know when we shave especially Hazard with a bumps. razor it leaves very bad razor bumps um and a lot of white uh light a lot of white supervisors didn't understand this and i had to explain this to them i'm like yo, you can google it when black people shave our hair is naturally curly a lot, a lot of times on our face so it actually creates a lot of uh razor bumps and and problems with our follicles. i remember when i first shaved with a razor by working there it broke my face out to it, it didn't recover for like another four months. Mm-hmm. And I Absolutely. had to tell them like I can shave with a tremor as best as I can, but I cannot go that deep on my skin. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, That's right. They actually allow um people in the military to get profiles so they don't have to shave. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and for the people that don't know how real this is, not all them even having all the money in the world can't prevent it. Watch a baseball game today, especially if the Yankees play where they have to be they can't grow beards. Watch these Players, black players, is making a lot of money. Watch, look at the this Chapman's face. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this dude making like a hundred thousand dollars a pitch. Yeah, check his face out. You know, he has to shave. It's gonna leave those razor bumps. So even all the money in the world can't stop it from happening. There's I nothing you look. can do. You
1: know? Yeah, I I had to get a profile for work to to keep mine. Absolutely. Because even when I get a haircut and I don't shave it down, and um they may take it down to you know a chin strap or whatever. Mm-hmm. Razor bump. And yep. a lot of, again,
0: corporate America will not understand it until they understand African American culture and um, African American phenotypes or, or genotypes or whatever the case may be. Um, but again, we talk about the hated braids, the braided styles, the dreadlocks. Um, a lot of dreadlocks in Africa are warlike, um, warlike hairstyles. So if you go to war, a lot of people begin to braid their hair. Um, but again, we talked we talked about the. The workplace is one of the most controversial places for black natural hairstyles. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, hair wraps is also common in, in in Africa, as we know. But here in America, we created our own little hair wraps, uh, do regs and bad there Those <laughs> are right. like baseball caps turned the wrong way. So <laughs> uh, we we still incorporate a lot of African culture within um, within our society that comes from where we come from. Like That's as right. James Baldwin said, "History is trapped in us." You know, we we look at. Uh, africa as the motherland we look at it as our, our roots and you're starting to see a lot of people come out and begin to wear things and do things that comes directly out of there um out of Africa. absolutely one of the other things that i found when i basically it was like these 19 things regarding tradition that you should know if you actually go visit um africa is things that they tell you don't do like when you don't point they don't, they don't like pointing with your index you finger. You don't point. You and, don't ask them to uh, bring something down that you're not going to buy. A- a- yeah. Absolutely. If you tell somebody to come here, you typically turn the palms up and, and yeah. do like this. They don't, palms up, there's a no, no, palms down, yeah, come yeah. here, you know? So it's little things like that, but it was three things in specific that I thought was interesting um, because we talk about black people being uh, the, the most resilient uh, people on, on the planet. But flexibility, using flexibility is important in African tradition. Being able to adapt to any situation, mm-hmm. um, any anything that's thrown at you that you may not have thought or expected to happen, but being flexible to be able to deal with Hold it. Hold that thought real second. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Okay. We'll be right back. <laughs> and we are back. Go to YouTube, type in the Mighty Motivation Network, hit the subscribe button, catch up on all your latest episodes, go to Facebook. Uh, type in my unapologetic perspective. We've been getting like two to three likes a day on that Facebook page um, From complete strangers. So if you people that listen to this and we know you uh, Please go hit that like button and uh, follow that page. Absolutely uh, Dan go back right back into what you were talking about Yeah, we're talking about three things that I found out that I thought was important when I was doing some um, African culture research is that uh, using flexibility we talk about um, blacks being the most resilient people in the world and uh, directly related to how we overcome so much, um, especially when you you talk about slavery. Um, but flexibility is important in that African culture, being able to accept and navigate in situations that you may not have expected mm-hmm. going into. Um, the other one is not displaying anger or frustration or impatience in public. Uh, And it's so funny because even my mom, I remember you go somewhere with your parents and you act up in the store. Your mother would say, wait till I get you home. (laughs) (laughs) I ain't going to bash your head in the store, even though she did one time. (laughs) But uh, wait till I get you home. And then the third one is positive communication. Mm -hmm. Um, Always Africans always like to be positive in their communication. Mm -hmm. Um, Even I read one excerpt where it talked about even in times of, of war they would say, uh, it's going to be a good war, because Mm -hmm. at the end, we're going to achieve what we want to achieve. They didn't talk about how many people were going to possibly die. They would just say, we think it's going to be a good war because we're going to end up achieving what we want, Mm -hmm. and it's going to benefit us and the people we're at war with. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of that unification, um, but the positivity of the communication regarding war was important. So positivity is always important. Mm -hmm. So if you ever go to Africa, don't take that negative Attitude with you, leave that at the door. I say, I (laughs) say, I say. Um, another play, another way we um showcase our culture is through fashion. Um, I'll let you touch on this in a second. Let me get a few things out because I, uh, I'm gonna, I want you to talk about this for a minute. Um, but of course, with the Mazi uh, their colorful clothing, um, is cloth called uh shuka, um, which comes in a range of symbolic colors. Red to protect from wild animals, orange for friendship, um, and blue for hospitality um, as it rains, yellow. So a lot of times in African culture, what you wear is a representation of who you are. So if I wear red, it's for love. If I wear blue, it's for peace. If I wear yellow, it's for this. Also, that goes back to what foods they eat. I'll eat orange if I'm feeling this way. I'll eat That's a right. yellow vegetable if I'm feeling this way. So a lot of those comes from uh, come out of African culture. Um, but African traps distinguish themselves from other tribes by the way that they dress. Um, right. We still do this. Well, we, normally, we used to do this. I, I asked my little cousin, do they still do this? But y'all know back in the day, you could tell whether a person was from New York or if they was from Florida or if they was from LA because New York wore the Thames and, you know, uh, certain clothing. And then, you know, you go to the Cali, they wearing the, the Chuck Taylors. That's right. You know, you go to Atlanta, they wearing the Filos. So, you know, back then, but I, I think now it's more of a mix. I really don't know where people from by the way they dress anymore That's because right. it's all, it's all um, together. But, you know, you go back to the twenties with us in fashion, you know, the zoot suits worn by <laughs> jazz musicians That's during right. the Hall Renaissance. You can go to the 70s with the the afro the black leather jacket the black sunglasses the black is beautiful movement Mm -hmm. also when they wore dashiki's hard um when they wore the turtlenecks with the gold chain um go to the 80s hip-hop era you know that's when the sneakers become important uh colorful clothes that you've seen people like um people like fresh prince wearing you know big hoop earrings like queen latifah um in the 90s you got matching colors from top to bottom you know everything had to match you know, track suits, and then in the two thousands, of course, we had the super big clothes with the jerseys, the hat backwards, two headbands, all a bunch of a lot of crazy stuff but black people that's what we do you know, we like to experiment with our expression
1: mm-hmm.
0: talk about fashion for me
1: uh, a lot of times, but with black people when it comes to fashion, we are the 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 Indian that goes across the hill and say, "No, nah, it's a lot of them over there uh we we the we the first to do things. Uh, though it don't always make sense Uh, even like if you go back and look you know for us in the early 2000s wearing those baggy clothes you probably wore what the size jeans you probably was a 32 32 yeah, but, I got but you 20 had 20, on a 40, 38 32 40. like it was just way 40. too big
0: I Are can't you, even wear them clothes now <laughs> yeah you, you just go back and look and we just looked so stupid but back the time it was, it was the culture so right. we always could look back and say you know things look stupid from the 20s on with the zoot right. to the 60s to the 70s. But to speak of the oversized clothes, it, it it have a reason in the beginning. And this one you guys probably <laughs> didn't have to deal with because you had parents that I would buy ben- y'all's clothes. I
1: think Benny Siegel said But
0: it. coming from my era, I got hand-me-downs. <laughs> right. And my hand-me-downs yeah. didn't typically fit. So you were doing good if they were too big. <laughs> Guess what happens if they were too, too small? small you right. still will Right. Right. So I was fortunate that my brother's clothes were bigger than my clothes. So when I wore them, they were back.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. So it became popular. And it became popular, not because we wanted it to, it was a necessity. You going to school, you're going to wear these clothes. Right. You know, so they were too big. And it became popular because a lot of people were going through that. And then it got to the point where you had the cool kids wearing the oversized clothes. And people was like, huh, I want to do that too. Not realizing they was winning because they have a choice. Yeah. And that's what we do. Yeah. Like We do things out of a necessity that becomes popular. That's like, right. Even if you think about rap music, rap music was a a necessity to get our voices out there and it became popular. Not that we wanted it to, because we wanted to keep it just in the parks. We didn't want to record yeah. it. That's right. Because That's right that, but it was just another form of our expression. Yeah. It, it, and, you know, obviously one of the things we talk about the Harlem Renaissance all the time, but it wasn't just in in, in Harlem. It went everywhere. Yeah. You know, Chicago, D.C., it LA. went everywhere. So obviously when you looked at hip hop, um, it was in the parks in New York. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was a cultural movement Mm -hmm. that the culture was everywhere because you got black people everywhere. So how can we get people in Atlanta to know what we're doing in New York? Mm -hmm. We make a record. Right. So obviously, and it it came at the right time because a lot of people don't understand the association with with rap becoming popular on the radios and in other cities Mm -hmm. was only a couple of years before you had the first black video on MTV. Yeah. Um, so it happened at a time that I thought was important to be able to transcend and to be able to spread across the United States faster than it probably would would have if it would have happened in 1977 mm-hmm. versus 79, 80, 81. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I thought it was it was a great look in terms of being able to um, educate other people and let them see what, what was going on. However, whenever you have something that's good and that can make money. money you know what's gonna happen. Let and obviously that. That. And that, we're happen. To Let that. that. We're gonna get to me. Get that. But yeah, it's
1: that. uh, you know, you spoke earlier about nowadays you can't tell where kids is from based on how they dress. It's because now it's changed. Now it's you. You can tell where they're from based on slang. Yeah. For us, it was how we dressed. You know, I remember the first time I seen Dad with Tim's on. Didn't know what they was. Yeah. But I knew I wanted a pair okay. because of how he wore them. And a lot of times for black people, that's what we look at. Okay. I see what you got on, but how can I make it mine? Mm-hmm. You know, me and you are two different dressers, mm-hmm. but we like the same thing. Right. We both like sweatpants. You might like yours a little more baggy. I might m- like mine a little more tight. Mm-hmm. So it's, this is all about how you see things. And it's an expression.
0: No, yeah, it's know. an expression. It's individual um, expression.
1: You know, uh, I remember on the wire, the white cop asked the black kid, yo, where you get that hat from? And he was like, what hat? he was like, I never seen the kind with the bill on the back. He was like, no, you just turn it around. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and for me, Ken Griffey was the first person to make that cool to wear your head back. Right. The, the fitted head yeah. back.
0: He brought it to the mainstream. But even if you look today, uh, I just took my daughter last weekend to buy some uh, some all white Air Force One, <laughs> which was the style when we was coming up, which was the style when you was, you know, what Absolutely. I'm saying? So, you know when Nelly made that song, Air Force One's people in New York was like, wait a minute, he got that from us because yeah. he used to be up here. So mm-hmm. when you look at that transition, how things just continue to repeat itself, like what you know yeah. about some Air Force Ones? They, they changed the name for a minute. One time they called them Flays. The yeah. Flays, yeah. right. Dopes. Uptown, yeah. Wherever you, wherever you go in America, it's going to be different. You know, down here we might call them Dopes. Over there yeah. they might call them Flays. Right. The Over there, they might ones. call them Fresh That's Air right. Ones. New York, you know?
1: they call them Uptown. Yeah. So, so yeah.
0: wherever you go, it's, it's always going to be it's going to be different. But and then like, for
1: us, all blacks, which are Air Force Ones is what we wore yeah. nowadays you know what they call all black what? door kickers <laughs> because that's what the people that rob you that's what they wear now yeah, it's right, all black right. so that's what they call them as door kickers
0: <laughs> um but yeah so you know when we talk about uh uh dressing it's basically it's a free-spirited thing to you know express yourself and and how you want it. which we start to see more now people now like there is no there is no black trend really it's it's to the individual
1: you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and
0: I I think that's 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 unique too because back in the day, like you said, everybody wanted to dress like somebody from somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you wanted to dress like people in New York, which is why you got things like New York fashion. Right. Yeah. Or people want to dress like people from Atlanta when mm-hmm. Atlanta started making it big, and then people wanted to dress like they dressed in LA. Yeah. You know, now people dress the way they want. Right. You know, you don't matter where you're from. I actually well you guys know me and Eugene, we still wear Reebok classics. Right. And most people would be like, What are those? Mm-hmm. Right? We st- I, I still wear Reebok classes. Right. I wear you know? Chuck Taylors. You yeah. like you, act like we from the West Coast. Like I love Chuck. Yeah. Plus you, they're cheap. You you can mm-hmm. wear what you want to yeah. now. Just know?
1: like the the shirt they just gave you. You Was like, is this Shaquans? Because it was a two X. But yeah. we know y'all still wear y'all clothes kind of big. Yeah. So yeah.
0: So you know. But yeah, fashion is a great expression of who you are. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a great way, and as you get older, it changes, right? Yep. Um, you be you become more conservative, mm-hmm. um, and, and cheap. But you become <laughs> right. more conservative in what you wear. So where a lot of people like to wear the, the shoes, they got like three or four different colors. When you get older, you be like, i want to limit the mind to one or two yeah. so I can wear them with multiple things. Because we black still like to match. That's yeah. one thing about black people. We want to yeah. match. You know, Absolutely. Uh, another key, um, key part about fashion is jewelry. The origin of jewelry goes right back into Africa. Absolutely. Necklaces, bracelets has all been a part of African culture and African-Americans have continued that culture here in America. So the charm is like the uh, the symbol that you use that's close to you. So a lot of people wear charms on their mm-hmm. necklace or bracelets because it, it's close to you. Uh, we're starting to see more African Americans put names and pictures on their on their charms. Um, it, that goes back to to Africa where they used to. You know, if you watch Roots again, I got this uh, this this jawbone. This make Kunta strong. You know, <laughs> so just things like that. You know, is believed that you know African jewelry can bring you luck, wisdom, hope. And a good sense of well-being, especially if it's passed down from gener- generation to generation, That's just right. ancestor worship. If your ancestor gave this to you, this made my my grandmother strong, it's going to make me strong. Right. And, and, um, and let's be real. We we all have a, a, at least a taste of vanity. Jewelry makes you look nice. You oh, know? yeah, absolutely. So, so, so I even remember something that I did when you guys were kids. You guys might remember this vaguely. Remember... The dog tags. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had the dog tags. What you guys picture on it. it was you two and Cameron's yeah. picture on it that I wore. To me, that was the greatest thing because, like you said, the charms you you keep it close to you. And I had the you guys three three of the people who meant the most to me on the dog tag that I wore all the time. I still got those. But Shaquan wore his dog tags for for about 10, 15 years. Yeah, I, I still have mine. You know, um, it, I still it, got
1: one. Yeah. Brittany lost the other, but I still got <laughs> one.
0: Uh, but we also. We took fashion right into sports, you know. Absolutely. Uh, the fad fad with the long shorts, you Alan know. Allen Jordan, Jordan with the black socks, you know. Um, yeah, Averson just changed the whole game. He you did. talk about Ken Griffey with the backwards hat. Um, but yeah, we, we took, we take fashion, we take our culture wherever we go. And we can't we forget Deion Sanders. Oh yeah, yeah, Deion, uh, football. Deion. Um, but I believe a lot of brands have made a killing of just seeing what black people black people style. Okay. Mm -hmm. Let's just, uh, and they just sat back and looked at black people, what they're wearing and created the merchandise and just sat back and watched millions of dollars be, um, in sales. You like, let's just take for instance, if Kanye West was to wear a tie dye shirt today, and there's going to be a hundred companies that go create tie dye shirts. That's going to be on the market next week because they, they said, okay, this is what African-Americans are going to be wearing. You know, Nike is going to have a tie-dye Nike shirt within the same color as the Joys that they're going to release. Mm-hmm. We see that they're going to create content catering to African-American style in the current day. Like we're starting to see the, the change in, um as we talk about the retro look coming back now. My daughter likes the retro shirts that are coming out with the cars on it with the pastel colors. That's right. We're starting to see that come back out. But who, br- who brings it back out? That's rappers. Right. That's rappers, you know what I'm saying, and not Influences. and not
1: not just not just companies because uh Kanye just dropped the Gap jacket that he wore um when he previewed his music and it sold out in two minutes.
0: You so I'm waiting for them to come back out with what the starter jackets, the NBA joint. They they coming. They gonna come <laughs> for those that still have theirs from back in the day. Hold on to it. Yeah. yeah, keep it in the closet, stay in shape, so of fit. Yeah, but we'll but but right I,
1: I will say you don't uh you don't get credit for that nowadays. Nah. Like the older guys that was, you know, back then when Jordans came out on Fridays, you had to leave school. A lot of those guys still got those Jordans and they be like, man, y'all, nah, the kids don't want to hear that. If you ain't buying it right now, then I don't want to sit on your feet.
0: <laughs> uh, another way is, of course, through food. So uh, soul food is soul food. big for <laughs> for African-Americans in this culture. A lot of it comes from the fact that during slavery, um, we were given small rations of food. And what we would take those small rations of food and create a bigger meal. Um, so the phrase of turning nothing into something comes right out of the African American culture when it comes right. to food We're so dope, rationing man. food. Uh but yeah, if you ain't had no good soul food, man, I'm 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 vegan. <laughs> But man, ain't nothing like some good soul food it, It's funny because whenever you celebrate something That's the first thing people want to do You graduate, let's go eat let's go Your birthday, eat. you want to go out to eat You know what I mean? You got a new job, let's go out to eat You paying since you got right, a new right. job <laughs> <laughs> right. And and uh, for a lot of people who don't understand African culture A lot of African <coughs> cultures only eat meat after a sacrifice So after after they sacrifice an, angle, uh, uh, um, an animal for a um, a lifestyle sacrifice or an honorary celebration, um, they'll sacrifice the chicken or goat or something like that. And that is the only time that they, they actually eat meat. Any other time is sticks like a vegetarian or a vegetable type of diet. Um, yeah, I, I didn't get that part. <laughs> that 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 part ain't a part of it uh, y'all like that yeah. y'all like that do y'all <laughs> nah, 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 nah. just cause, saying cause nah. I'm going to eat me a hamburger right after this podcast So, <laughs> ancestors yeah, yeah. y'all hear that yeah All right. I, they, they had a hamburger before too <laughs> with cheese on it <laughs> uh, last one um, I'll let you touch on this day art we understand African sculptures masks oh, uh, colorful paintings even if you look at the paintings of Van Gogh Go look at African painters that came before Van Gogh. It comes right out of. That's right. Be- before they found the oldest human remains in the continent of Africa. Of course. The first sign of human life was by looking at the drawings on the caves and the mountains in Africa and seeing the individuals that were depicted in those drawings. And they were of people who had the noses like we had. uh, Thick nose, thick Thick lips. lips. So when we talk about art and expression, we can go all the way back there to show the first signs of that expression of what I see. This is what I see. Mm -hmm. These are the people that I see. This is what they look like. So you transition all of that to black American history, and the culture is that you see people expressing themselves um, through the same the same type of artwork and the concept of expressing what they see, what they feel, what they think. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I always point to this too. Art is not about what other people think. Mm-hmm. Okay. Real artists could give two shits about what you think about what they do. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's an expression of themselves. You either like it or you don't. I tell you guys all the time about the phrase Prince used in Purple Rain. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the guy said, nobody likes this stuff that you playing but you. That's the whole purpose of being an artist, dude. Yeah. You know. So when you think about art, it's an expression of, of, of yourself, mm-hmm. your history, your culture, The things that you see, the things that you feel and what you think about those things, Mm -hmm. which I think is probably outside of music and fashion, um, art would be the third uh, most important part of expression. Mm -hmm. Obviously, your voice. And I think the voice is going to supersede anything else because you don't have to be able to sing to express yourself. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be able to wear expensive clothes or different clothes to express yourself. And you don't have to be artistic to express yourself you just need to express yourself. Yeah. So having the voice is always going to be number one. Mm-hmm. All right, question for you when it comes to
1: um, art. I know for me, for my art, whenever I'm because I got a lot of art that I just don't show people. I mm-hmm. just do uh for fun, but I notice what a lot of times with my art when I get done and I look at it and it's like, okay, I have this one distinct thing that I keep doing on all of my
0: uh that's right.
1: Yeah. Do you have? Absolutely.
0: I, I have. Mine is more of a stroke because my forte is really uh, pencil and charcoal mm-hmm. drawing and sometimes pen. But even using pen is the same thing. I have a stroke and it's unique to me. So whenever I even when I try not to do it, it's there mm-hmm. and I can see it. Um, a part of it is is just my personality, the way I see things mm-hmm. and then the way I record them. And then I, it's like a hand, it's like handwriting. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't get away from it. So what I've done is I try to get, a, stop trying to get away from it. And I try to perfect it. So everybody, everybody has any artistic ability whatsoever, go through it, even drummers. You listen to the different drum beats, uh, uh, the, the way that they did their cadence when they play the drums. A lot of that is unique to the individual. Mm-hmm. You usually can't change it. Mm-hmm. The only thing you can do is try to perfect it and build on it, you know, and it, singers, I can listen to the radio today and when a Donnell Jones song, come on, I know it's him. <laughs> and by the way, he has a new song out. And I listened, and I was like, I that's Donnell Jones. Donnell, Donnell enough, was it was underrated. Donnell Jones. Certain people sing a certain way and you can tell not just by the voice, but the way they say, anybody can tell a when she's sings because she always says, Oh baby. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, a song when it come on, but it, it's, Everybody has a certain thing about what they do, a unique characteristic, which is one of the definitions of culture, Mm -hmm. a unique characteristic um, about what they do. Um, Even when you speak, you have a certain cadence about when you speak Mm -hmm. and it's the same no matter what you're speaking Mm -hmm. about or who you're speaking to. Everybody has it. Right, I know Jadakiss has said, you know, that (laughs) that he did that he always did before he recorded. And one day the the engineer just happened to keep it. and it, it went, went popular. But that's something he had always did. If you hear Hove come on the song, <laughs> that's right. It, it's just something that you, that you do it, and you might not even know you're doing it until somebody recording. You like, wait a minute, I'm doing yeah, that exactly. Yeah.
1: Like the battle rappers you, you do it, it. I say, yeah. Yo. If you
0: listen to the podcast before you talk, you clear your throat. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a signature. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, but we're gonna take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back. And we are back again. Go to YouTube. Type in the Mighty Motivation Network hit the subscribe button, go to Facebook, type in my unapologetic perspective and hit the like button. Um, we're going to continue on. Uh, Poss was talking about something off air, but we made him, we're going to make him <laughs> say it on air. So go right ahead. Yeah, we, we were talking about um, signatures and things that about us that we may think is a, is a flaw. And it's really a unique characteristic that's not a flaw. Um, but that's embedded in us. We talked about on past podcasts by um, some of the things sins of our, of our ancestors have been put on us. Mm -hmm. And one of those, the biggest one, the biggest lie that was ever told outside of our real existence in, 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 in American history is that black is ugly. Um, black is the devil. Mm -hmm. Uh, you guys, it was told that blacks were ugly. Um, they came from the devil. Um, whatever, anything derogatory to make you feel bad about yourself. You got a big nose, you got big lips. Mm-hmm. Um, however, Lots. as time went on, if you listen to the music and you read the writings in the early Renaissance age from the 30s to the 40s to the 50s, all the way up to when you get the 60s and you have songs like I'm Black and I'm Proud, um, that was black American, Black America taking that information that's been embedded in us and saying, that's not true. Mm-hmm. We're going to develop a narrative so we can feel good about who we are. Yeah. Black is beautiful. In the 60s and 70s, you hear you heard that a lot. Black is beautiful. Muhammad Ali would say, Black is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, James Brown, I'm black and I'm proud. Um, to take away that, that sinister of information that we have gotten prior to that about us being black and ugly. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about unique characteristics about ourselves that people, other people may think is u- ugly. And I'll even do use a personal account for myself. When I was younger, my teeth started becoming crooked. Couldn't afford, we couldn't afford braces. I didn't feel bad about it mm-hmm. to the point that even though I can afford braces now, I don't want them. Mm-hmm. My gap is signature. Mm-hmm. That's a part of my characteristic. I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. I don't care if other people may think well, you would look better if you had straight teeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't mind talking to you if your breath didn't stink. <laughs> okay? But at the end of the day, this is something that I choose to look at myself and go, I'm okay with it. Yeah, It's a unique characteristic. It makes me different than anybody else. So everybody else can have straight teeth. Guess what? <laughs> Jerome's in the house with the crooked <laughs> ones. I'm all right with it, you know? So I, I think that what, what you have to establish is you have to own characteristics about yourself. And if there's things that you truly do not like about yourself, change them. Mm -hmm. But if there's something that you think is a flaw, but it may not be a flaw, you just think that because of what other people may think, then you build on it. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. So why did we just talk about all of this? Why did we even get to this point? What was the point of talking about black culture? Um, I'm going to talk about a current event that just happened. Now I, I care less about the current event, but I want to talk about the premise and the the totality of of what developed of this current event and how it happens all the time. There's a guy by the name of Sean King who has a platform um, on Twitter, and he also is a blog writer who became an activist, a prominent activist, a a popular activist, especially after the Mike Brown uh, police shooting. Um, But he built this platform um, to a very high level speaking out against uh, racial injustice. Um, he looks and claims to be biracial, but, uh, back in 2015, black people did some digging and made accusations that his parents were both white. Um, but King continued to be an activist and a voice for the black community, even though he is attacked by other black platforms to say, do not trust this guy, um, because he isn't black. But recently, uh, I think it was about a month ago, he got in the news again for, it says, uh, he was recently questioned by the African American community after his family moved into a 842,000 five-bedroom, four-bed, bedroom, four-bathroom um home with a backyard and a view of the lake. Uh the black community thinks that he robbed them, um, especially because he's been asking and receiving uh donations. But he claims that his wife purchased the the property. Um his daughter went on to, you know, defend them and said that they actually had to move because so many people had the address now that basically were harassing him now i can care less about sean king i brought up this story because i wanted to address why black people do not trust outsiders with our culture now with sean king's case if y'all want to talk about that briefly um i'll give y'all the floor to talk about i i, I do specifically about one thing It well actually a couple things but first his claim is is that the guy who's listed on his birth certificate is not his biological dad who's Mm -hmm. white Mm -hmm. that his and the reason he didn't go public early about all the information one he didn't find out about it till later in life even Mm -hmm. though there was always questions and he never asked the tough questions because how many people want to go to their mom and dad and go who's my real dad yeah i mean how many people gonna have that conversation right but he found out that his mom had some relationships on the side Mm -hmm. that was embarrassing to her for him to talk about, which obviously would make it embarrassing for him to talk about. Uh But his dad is actually a black person, okay. which, and if you look at his high school, this is the thing that blows my mind. And I'll I'll just say this. I don't care. Nobody really cares what other people identify you as being. Mm -hmm. What do you identify Identify yourself? And then what do you see? Mm-hmm. If you look at his high school pictures, the guy's black. Right. There's it, even <laughs> I mean, cases that he was, uh, he was either jumped uh, by a mob of white people in right. high school, and people downplayed that and saying it didn't happen. Even the school, even the township said it didn't happen. But there's classmates that said it happened. Neighbors, they saw it happen. Neighbors said that they had to chase away a mob the way absolutely, and that yes. the school and the town covered it up, mm-hmm. which we all know happens. We can talk about the kid (laughs) in Atlanta who they found rolled up Up in in a a wrestling mat mat, and nobody knows how it happened, right? So we know that those type of things happen when there's black people involved. So let's just say, for instance, that he wasn't black. He damn sure enough got treated like he was. (laughs) But we've always had this problem with trusting others, not just with our culture, but with any information that can obviously be helpful for the black community. Mm We can even talk about the former president of the United States, Barack Obama, where you have people actually saying he's half black and half white, which makes it acceptable for him to be the president of the United States. Right. But what would happen if he was all black? Right. Would it? None of us are all black. Nobody's all white. Right. So <laughs> at the end of the day, we're all mixed. We're all mixed with something. We're all right. mixed with something. So for Sean King to be persecuted, one, by white America, is expected because he's black. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... That shouldn't surprise anybody. Mm-hmm. But what should surprise us and what should infuriate us is what you're talking about is why are we persecuting him? Mm-hmm. Okay. He bought a house. I don't care if he bought it. Mm-hmm. I don't care what money he bought it. Here's the here's the objective. That's an example that you can do it too. Mm-hmm. You want to buy a house? big enough to hold the whole community that oversees the lake, do it. Mm-hmm. Do what it takes to be able to do it, legally. Do it. Right. Do what it takes to be able to acquire those things instead of saying he did something wrong and he used black people. <laughs> you ain't going down to Kentucky Fried Chicken complaining to them people <laughs> about using us, right? Yeah. You, you calling up Pepsi Cola and say, you know what? You had us in commercials for many years. Yeah. I want some reparations for that. We, we're not doing that. That's a very good point. Why are we not doing that? Why? We want to single somebody out. We're part of the council culture revolution. We're part of that. And we don't want to take ownership Mm -hmm. for it, but we are. Sometimes we're our biggest enemies. We talk in this podcast a lot about what white America has done to oppress us. What have we done to ourselves? What what have we done to ourselves to oppress us? Absolutely. Um, And again, I brought up this topic. um, Again, that's a good point about Sean. King, I agree with you 100%. uh, Especially for the work that he does. Of course, we have our people who just don't like to see somebody else in in the spotlight. Um, But if you look at his pictures, he looks very biracial. Absolutely. Um, But when we talk about cultural appropriation, we do know this happens on another scale that has nothing to do with Sean King. Absolutely. Um, So in order to be recognized to participate in certain sacred spaces, um, you must be initiated because initiation makes you understand the history and the current and future responsibility of that sacred space. So when we talk about black culture, I believe that a lot of people who want to be a part of black culture can't have one foot in the door and one foot outside of the door when it comes to black culture. And that's what African-Americans are essentially saying, because African-Americans created their own black culture through all stories, African traditions, mixed with forced European ideals and incorporating our own heritage so it is my belief that if you want to be a part of it then you can't have one foot in black culture and one foot in privileged culture in in white america by saying okay i want to wear i want to dress i want to talk like this but i also want to be able to be have the privilege when i get talked talk about police have the privilege to not stand up for black people have the privilege to not um deal with things that the african community is deal with so if i want to take the culture i have to fully embrace what's going on within the culture i feel like a lot of european people do not take on that that persona so if you participate in it you should know and stand up for the struggle as well Mm -hmm. um because it's easy to take the culture and not care about the people in the culture which we see with a lot of these businesses and and other things that use black people to make money, but you don't stand up when it's time to stand up for black people. Um, And it seems oddly popular for non-black people to pick out their favorable attributes of black culture without receiving the same backlash as black people for acknowledging it. Mm -hmm. So the same backlash that black women get for the way that they dress, white women who dress like black women do not get that same get that same type of treatment that's right so you're saying you know you dress because sex sales but when you see a white white woman dress the same way as the black woman it's not it's not frowned upon because you can have it both ways if you're not from the culture but you can take um from the culture of, of whatever the case may be um and we know that again that some workspaces don't protect black people when it comes to this but uh Another uh, a key person that that did this um, that pe- black people claim that did this is Iggy Azalea. Mm-hmm. You know, she was signed by Ti as a rapper, a white rapper. He wanted that white rapper to come in, and he and from his understanding, she fully embraced the black culture, fully knew the history of black culture, identified with the black culture. But you know, Ti said, you know, he he dropped her when she told him that she did, she wanted to do something else. She wanted to start catering to the white people, and she forgot about the black culture that accepted her, made her popular, brought her in millions of dollars. Um, and that's something that we see all together. Eminem had a record that said he knew that he was, you know, uh, appropriating black culture. Mm -hmm. But when you look at Eminem, Eminem came up with black rappers. He came in up through the ciphers. He brought in people like D12. You know, he brought up rappers. Um, uh. So that think, were African American within the culture. So even though Eminem is white, he still fully embraced a lot of the black culture and actually made ways for people to monetize off that black culture.
1: The, I yeah. think the line you were talking about is uh, to do music so selfishly and use it to get wealth.
0: Absolutely. So, you know, there's people like Vlad. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know why black people still do interviews with Vlad, um, knowing the vulture he is. Right. People like the Kardashians that do black stuff they get away with it, but if another black woman was to do it, it would be a totally different mm-hmm. story. Um but there was a case where um TikTok. TikTok has become a the one of the biggest platforms today. Um but in 2019 the Renegade bland, uh the Renegade dance blew up and it became a trendy dance and a, it was actually created by an African American 14-year-old kid. That's right. Um,
1: Jaleel Harmon.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. but his dance didn't go viral until a uh, white people started doing it, and they got more views on it than he did.
1: Well Dad, do you know what TikTok is? Yeah,
0: yeah. well, <laughs> so, well, just
1: to explain that, uh, Jaleel, she actually because before TikTok, it was apps like Dub Smash right. and mm-hmm. Musically, and that's what she created the Renegade on. Well, what happened was she only had 13,000 followers on hers when uh, Charlie D'Amelio was the one, the, okay, the on popular TikTok. person that took it in TikTok. Of course, she's a bigger star. So when it went viral, they was crediting her with the dance and not Jaleel. So even the NBA, they brought um Charlie D'Amelio um, to teach the all-star cheerleaders to do the dance. That's right. Black, Black Twitter did their thing. They had Jaleel there by Sunday uh, doing it at halftime. So right. that's that's the backstory to that.
0: Also, even with the Millie Rock, the Millie Rock became a popular dance, and Fortnite put it on their video game, and it, it, it went viral with, with White America. And he was never compensated and for not, not only did it go viral
1: with Fortnite, but every dance that came after the Millie Rock, you incorporated the Millie Rock into the right. dance. Right. And he never got—they went to court, but of course— Two milli is 2Million. Fortnite is Fortnite. You can drag this out, 2Million gonna run out of money before Fortnite will. So it's, it's a fight that he can't win in the court.
0: Right. So when you begin to look at, you know, TikTok, you know, a lot of the stuff on TikTok, the dances, the music, is created by Black America, which never get the credit for it until, you know, and then the people who, you know, replicated or duplicated, repackage it, are the ones that are being credit for. And it's like, black people are looking at it and say okay white america is trying to steal our culture mm-hmm. yet again like this it's, again. It's, it's, it's not nothing new i'm gonna read an article um from when black uh black creators on tiktok began to uh, protest um it says tired of not receiving credit for their creativity and original work all while watching white influencers re- rewarded with millions of views performing dances they didn't create mm-hmm. many black creators on tiktok joined a wild widespread strike last week refusing to create any new dances until credit is given where it's due. One video which has been viewed 440,000 times shows uh, Eric Lewis, a black TikTok creator, uh, seemingly about to introduce a new dance before flipping the script with a caption that reads, psych, this app would be nothing without black people. And even that, Lewis said in another post, was copied by a pair of TikTok users who, who got more views than he did by flipping something uh, about Mm -hmm. the Strike. Uh, The situation called to mind a recent TikTok controversy surrounding Nicki Minaj's song uh, called uh, Black Barbies with lyrics like, I'm not going to read the lyrics. Um, (laughs) The song was used on the app to showcase videos of black beauty. But white users soon began using the song as well, kicking off a debate about cultural appropriation on the app. And, you know, when I look at, I don't have a TikTok, but TikTok be on Facebook, and it be on um, Instagram as well, where I'm at. But I'm looking at it, and I'm like, because this one girl I follow on Facebook, only thing she does is post TikToks of white people dancing. And I'm like, these are black news and black music. (laughs) That's right. This is a black fashion, but they're white people. And that's the only thing that she posts. She never posts this, like, black people doing the dances, black people singing the songs. I'm like, dang, they're incorporating our culture into them. I'm looking at videos of white sororities stepping, and I'm like, wait a minute, what? That's right. White fraternities and sororities stepping? But that's what happens. I don't know if you, you you definitely remember this. Uh, I think it was your junior year of high school, Chatham High School. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Chatham High School had a all black, and not predominantly black, all black basketball team And an all black black cheerleading, cheerleading all white cheerleading squad. And those cheerleaders knocked it out the park to the point where even the Liberty cheerleaders was like, we're not going to even perform. We just going to watch them. Right. Here's the problem. We play a part in that. Mm -hmm. We play a part in that. We have become so creative that as Eddie Murphy would say, yeah, that joke, you can have that one for free. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I can create more. So you can have that one for free we are so creative that we're starting to just give away our creativity and the results of it. Mm -hmm. But now the results of it is money. Where before it was just Just a dance or a song or a lyric or whatever. Now it's money involved. Mm -hmm. Let's stop giving it away. Mm -hmm. Stop creating TikTok videos of your dance moves and put it in a different platform to where you can patent the dance move or whatever, or the title of the dance so that nobody else can take it and you can make money from it. From an artist's perspective, and i'm this is a personal account, there's an artist, and I'm not going to use the name that somebody presented this artist with an opportunity to wear to wear clothing from a new clothing line because they were getting ready to shoot not one but two new videos, and the black artist refused mm-hmm. so this person then went to a white artist who sings r and b and presented them with the same deal. They took it. The clothing line has went through the roof. Mm-hmm. So part of the problem is, is that we don't help each other, right? We don't help ourselves first of all, and then we don't help each other. We're always looking to blame and complain rather than do what it takes to get what we really want. Right. So when you post something on TikTok, what's your purpose? Mm -hmm. Is your purpose is I dance, I like dancing, I want people to see what I do, or is it I dance, I would like to be paid for what I do. If it is, then address it that way. Mm -hmm advertise it that way, go about it the right way so you can get your money, Mm -hmm. right? So you have to think about what it is, what do I want to achieve even if it's just a simple post? Mm -hmm. What is it do I want to achieve, I'm trying to achieve by making this post? We don't do that. Mm -hmm. And then we complain when somebody takes our idea. Do something about it so they can't take your idea. I I seen a a post that said that uh, cultures are made for other people to demonstrate it. Do you guys feel like it's wrong for people to think that Black culture is now American culture, not African American culture? Black people in America creating the culture is American culture. I, I don't, I don't think it's wrong for other cultures uh, or other people to demonstrate or display that culture. I, I don't. If they can, mm-hmm. and if they can do it accurately, I, I, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, you think about what we try to demonstrate. Uh, now, I'll, I'll use Lionel Richie as a great example who just got inducted into the Country Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, probably could be country western straight up mm-hmm. the way that he, he has his twang when he sings. We don't ridicule him for... Representing a culture that is probably not ours. All right. But do you think that's different? Because again going back we understand that African-Americans created the country genre, but we also understand that through slavery we were forced the ideals of taking on somebody else's um, culture and heritage. So it's not like that we we refuse to agree. We were forced into this thing, but for white people who wanted to strip black people of their culture um, predominantly to control them for us to step outside of the box to create our own for to not to be monetized or right to if, not to if be they hurt. do it properly i mean because the culture is there for anybody to take right right we can own it but other people can borrow it right w- right w- yeah and, and i don't, I don't right. see it being wrong in them doing that now, I understand what you're saying, but if they're going to make money off of it, I, I get that. Right, so for example, there, i seen a YouTube video of a, uh, it was a redneck rapping, dissing black people. <laughs> so you take rap music that's created by black people, the culture of it, the, the way the music video is shot, the way that the people are dressed in the music video, but you're dissing Black people. That has nothing to do with the culture. That's right. just straight discrimination. Right. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That has nothing... You could do an RB song and have the same effect. Mm-hmm. You Country music. I mean, if you listen to it, some yeah. of that can be that way. Mm-hmm. Um. So I don't think that has anything to do with the culture. Right. Yes, it could be in a, in a sense where Black people are going to listen to it right. because they're using the culture. So now they're going to listen to it because how many people... I don't know a lot of Black people that's looking, listening to hard rock and roll. Mm-hmm. So if they have some lyrics that may be racist or whatever, we're not going to know about it unless somebody posts it on Facebook or right. TikTok or whatever. We're not going to know about it. So by them using a culture, we may know about it because they're using a culture, but outside of that, that's just straight discrimination or racism. Right. And you it's know? almost like we can't have nothing to ourselves. Right? Even even if you think of nigger. We took the word nigger, turned it to nigger. And embraced each other as brothers with it. That's right. But now you can see two white people calling each other Yeah. And it's like, dang, we can't even have that word to ourselves. The, the, the things we have to ourselves are things we don't want, which is the uh, unfair treatment of black people in America. Right, right. We got that all to ourselves, Jack. I, I think mean, we uh, share it with, with, with Mexicans, but we, we pretty much got that all to ourselves.
1: <laughs> but to, to go back to our earlier point, Dad, that you made that I agree with is we do it to ourselves. But I think sometimes when we're creating... Like if Bates said in his, um, sit down here and do a video, I've done it. I've done a video where I was I recorded it and I spoke from my heart and it kind of went viral. Didn't mean for it to do it. I just sat down, spoke what was on my heart. Mm-hmm. These kids, they say, they hear the song, oh, let me make a dance to it, post it. Not, not thinking I might could get paid for this. Right. That's number one. We're not thinking like that. And number two, is no one to tell me, hey, take that down. Because you could get paid for that.
0: That's right.
1: Well, an Instagram video went viral last week of a girl in Philly. She put It was an Instagram live video. It went viral. It got on her page. It got to 400 million views before they deleted it. So she had to take the YouTube video of somebody else screen recording the video to post it back on her page. The person that didn't create the video now, everybody's going to that person's page to listen to the video. That's
0: always going to happen. I mean, and it happens to every race, not just black people. I mean, right. obviously, Native we talk American about Asian. we talk about stealing lyrics yeah. and music. That happens. That's been happening forever. That's uh-huh. going to continue to happen. Um, you can't necessarily stop that, especially when you're going to post it in an open forum. Mm-hmm. It's going to always happen. That's why you have some artists. You'll hear them say, "I'm in the studio," but they won't tell you what they're doing or who they're working with yeah. because somebody's going to steal it. Yeah. You know, so nobody's going to play a track for somebody to hear. On a phone conversation mm-hmm. because somebody's probably recording it. That person they're talking to may be recording it mm-hmm. and then get with another producer and try to take it before you have a chance to, 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 to go public with it. It happens when there's an opportunity. To, it's part of business. Mm-hmm. Where there's a demand, somebody's going to meet the supply. Mm-hmm. It's all about who's going to take that initiative to do what it takes. Sometimes it's not done the right way. That's business. Mm-hmm. So for black people, we know that we are the most creative people in the world. We know that. Now, if you don't want to make money from it, cool. But if somebody takes it and makes money from it, you, can't be mad at them for right. doing that. That's that's part of business. Well, it's it's going of, to. It, it's history, so we yeah. should, we should expect that now. It's you should right. expect it. Right.
1: And I think, uh, bake to to answer your question that you just asked was, you know, with martial arts, you know, a lot of Black people practice martial arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got black belts, but we never said that it was ours.
0: Well, that's the thing when you talk about because Jeremy Lin said this to Kenya Martin too when uh Jeremy Lin wore the 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 dreads and Kenya Martin said he's you know cul- uh that's culture appropriation and Joe Jeremy Lin said well you got the Chinese tattoos um in your language absolutely you. um but that's right. the difference is you know when you talk about kung fu is that we always you learn from somebody that that come from that culture mm-hmm. so you fully are embracing that culture. There's not a black martial artist out here that's doing their thing by themselves and not embracing right. the the Asian culture. Right. so right. when you talk about uh culture appropriation when it comes to black people, it's almost like black people didn't have anything to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> you that's know right. what I'm saying? Like, when you, you did look it at on it, your like, own. like, okay, there's a lot of things that are being recycled. I'm like, wait a minute, you know, black people came up with that? Mm-hmm. Remember when the video went viral, due to Harlem shake? Yeah. And everybody was just dancing around. People was like, oh, let's do the Harlem Shake Dance. I'm like, wait a minute. The Harlem Shake Dance was back in the, yeah. in the <laughs> 90s, early 2000s. You know what I'm saying? That's that right. was already something incorporated by black people. But when you don't give black people the credit, I think that's where we're mad at. Is because we already have to adjust to European language, mm-hmm. we are, especially in the workplace. We already have to, to adjust to European education. We already have to adjust to the European workplace. And when we're dancing, when we're writing, when we're rapping, when we're dressing, it's like, okay, now I can be me until somebody else say, I can be you too mm-hmm. and do the same thing. But you know, this goes back to something we've been saying on previous podcasts, even when we talk about the black history curriculum in, in, in schools, is that we're relying on the same folks who are and deprived of those those components in the past to somehow do it correctly now, right? right? It's not gonna happen. So when you, so 20 years from now, when there was a dance that became popular by a white person but it was actually created by a black person, it's gonna take conversations like this. It's gonna take people doing their research like we do to get that information. That's not gonna change. It's not we can even talk about the moonwalk where people assume Michael Jackson was the first one to do it. Right. Now even though it was a black person who did it originally, yeah, it was so not, not Michael him. Jackson. Right. But you're not going to know that if you don't do the research. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you're leaving it up to the same folks that have misled us for the last 400 plus mm-hmm. years right. to fix that. Right. It's not going to happen. Absolutely. It's our job to keep the culture alive and the creation of it and the display of it. That's our job. Mm -hmm. You know, I always tell, we go to restaurants sometimes and you take your tray and you start cleaning it up and what you doing? If you do that, then the person that's responsible for doing that won't have a job. Right. So if everybody do what they're supposed to do, we wouldn't be having this podcast. Right. (laughs) end on that note, thank y'all for tuning in. We love y'all. Peace.